Amen. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this last till 8 o'clock, but if I don't, I don't know if I'll have anybody too upset. Amen. Maybe the pastor, I don't know. But uh, amen. And uh, it is just such a privilege to finally be here, to be able to stand here and say that I'm here. Amen. And I was sharing with some of the folks downstairs. Um, my wife was telling me that they actually, in a school district with 20, a shortage of 20 math teachers, which is what she is, a shortage of 20 math teachers, the school needed to hire a math teacher. Well, somebody from Texas just happened to have to leave their school district in Texas to come to Indiana right across the river from Louisville and be with their daughter and she's a math teacher. And uh, <laughs> and out of all the shortage of math teachers in the district, my wife's the principal of her school hired this lady to come in and take her spot. Amen. And that is only nothing nothing less than a God thing. Amen. And so God, I'm you know if. God answers prayer. Amen. God operates on faith. Amen. I, maybe I had the faith of the same faith that the woman with the issue of blood had. I don't know. Maybe it maybe it was just the touch of the hem of his garment. But amen. God knows. Amen. And uh, and we're going to get into a little bit about discouragement tonight. And uh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. And you know, I've as I was studying and looking over the notes for this lesson, I got to thinking about, you know, our faithfulness and our faith. You know, we every one of us has been given a measure of faith. Amen. We've all been given a measure of faith, the Bible says. And, and so what we do with what we've been given is totally up to us. Amen. Everybody out here in this world has a brain. And we only use, they say, about 10 or 15%, maybe at the most, of our brain capacity. But there's some people out there that go way beyond that, that use 50 and 60 and 70% of their brain capacity, and we call them in geniuses. Amen. But each one of us is capable, if we apply ourselves, to use our brain matter for more than what we use it for every day. They say that, uh, and I was taking a Spanish class in Louisville, and, and the lady teaching the class said that, that once people get to the end of when, when they finish college, they, a lot of people, a lot of adults stop learning at that point. They kind of shut that off because they say, well, I'm done with college. I don't have to learn anymore. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but they don't have to learn at that level anymore. So they, they learn little bits and pieces here and there, and they stop applying themselves. Amen. And they're saying now that people in their 50s and beyond to help kind of ward off memory problems and things. They're saying now that if someone in their 50s and beyond will start learning a language or learning an instrument or something like that, it can actually help increase their memory and their brain power when they start learning again. When they start exercising that, I know it's not a muscle, but when they start exercising their gray matter. Amen. And so in faith, to me, I've always felt like faith is like a muscle. I used to be in, in the bodybuilding before I came to serve the Lord, and the Lord delivered me from that. Amen. But faith is like a muscle, and you have to exercise. If you want to take a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he first started, he was a little skinny, scrawny thing like a toothpick. And uh, he used to get bullied in school, and so he decided one day he was going to do something about that. And so he started just lifting some, some crude weights. He didn't even go to a gym. It was just really crude, like concrete blocks or something. But that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger that you see today came from somebody that dedicated and committed themselves to exercising their muscles to the point where they went from a skinny, scrawny little bean pole to the man that he is today and the size that he is. And it, it all took some dedication. Amen. And so our faith is like that. Amen. We've got to exercise it. And I can't exercise my faith for you. And I can't say I can't exercise my faith for my sons and my daughters-in-law and I can't they've got to exercise their own faith amen and and uh, and so God is good to us tonight and and so brother Parker amen this is a great lesson amen I'm glad I got here when this started amen and we talked about now faith we started out talking about now faith and and that comes right out of the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, first verse in the book of chapter of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Amen. And so I was hoping for somehow, some way, the Lord to work out something with my wife, and the Lord worked it out specifically. He knows who to move from where to get them to win, to take care. And so it all started with my faith. Amen. And so we have to, uh, we need this now faith. Uh, Brother talk, Brother Parker talked about the importance of faith, and it, and you can't be saved without faith. I'm just going to kind of uh, rehash just a little bit here, kind of re-go over some of this stuff, and then move into the next section. Uh, you can't be saved without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, the Bible says. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son hath not uh, shall not see life. Amen. And you cannot live victoriously over the world without faith. Amen. It took faith. The day that I walked into an apostolic church, it took faith for me to walk in the doors of that church and sit down on that pew and listen to the man of God preach something to this Catholic boy that had never heard anything, that had never seen anything like I saw in an apostolic type of a church. It wasn't a, a, a oneness Pentecostal church, but it was an apostolic type of church where they worshiped and they believed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so it was. it took faith probably more faith than some apostolics exercise every day for me to sit on that chair and to listen to what was being said. And it had an impact on my life. And so, God, that faith was enough when they said there's a prayer line. I had never heard of a prayer line in my life. Everybody was getting up to go get in the prayer line. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be the only one sitting here. I'm 21 years old. I'm not going to be the, the oddball sitting over there in a building that holds 350 people. I'm going to go get in the prayer line. So I'm in the prayer line, and then it, there's about two people left to, to me being in the front of the line, being next. And then it dawned on me, well, what? I, didn't, I hadn't thought about anything I wanted prayer for. <laughs> I just got in the line. And so all of a sudden I had to exercise my faith again. And so I thought, oh, man, what am I going to ask prayer for? And, I, you know, people were falling out and just all kinds of stuff happening. These five or six guys across the front with bottles of oil and so i here it goes you know the next guy comes open and so as i'm walking i'm thinking about what i saw when i got there the worship and the, the praise and the people dancing and just it just amazed me it didn't scare me it didn't make me run off it, it just amazed me because they had no clue i was there and it was sincere and it was real and i knew that and so i just walked up to this guy and he said what do you need prayer for and i the words came out of my mouth I want what they had over there when they were worshiping, whatever you call that. And so he put that oil on his finger, and he stuck his finger on my forehead, and he started praying. And I stuck my hands up in the air, and the next thing I know, I was laying on the ground talking in tongues. Amen. And so, amen. That faith from that day until now, 1981, has brought me to this point. Amen. And, uh, and so we need faith. Amen. We've got to have faith to be victorious. There's been a lot of hills and a lot of bumps and a lot of valleys between then and now. Amen. A lot of, a lot of things that have come down the pike that have caused me to maybe even, in some cases, consider walking away from this. But the Lord's kept me. The Lord's kept me. I've had to stand on the faith and not understanding circumstances and situations saying, you know what, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I can't see myself turning and going somewhere else. And so I've just had to kind of just close my eyes and tough through it. Amen. In faith. And so we can't please God without faith. Amen. It's not just enough to come to church. That, and that pleases God. The Bible says that for the sake not the assembly of ourselves together. But it's not. I want to please the Lord. I want him to be pleased with my life every day. Amen. I don't want to just punch time clock. I want him to be pleased with my life. And it takes faith for me to wake up every day and say, I choose to be saved today. I choose to walk with God today. I choose to live holy and live separate and live righteous today with all the temptations that come our way. And if you say in this room tonight, if you say you don't have temptations coming at you, you're lying. Amen. It, it comes at you every day, even more so than when you were in the world. Because if you think about it, the devil had you in the world. He didn't have to work hard at keeping you. He just had to throw a little cookie at you every now and then. But now he, he, it's a trophy if he can get one of us to turn and walk away from this. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a trophy in hell. I don't want to be some deer head on the, on the wall in Satan's den. 
Amen. I want to be an apostolic. I'm going to see this thing through to the end. This, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And how do you endure? You walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Amen. Can't please God without faith. You can't pray correctly without faith. Amen. Amen. You can just mumble some words, but you got to have faith when you pray. Amen. The Bible talks about if you believe that you can move this mountain, you can move this mountain. Amen. Getting a teacher in that classroom was a mountain to me. It stood in the way of my wife being here. It stood in the way of this being a complete deal here. And so the Lord answered that. Amen. And so many people were praying. And it was so amazing. Even people that that we have developed really close relationships with that aren't even in church, people that we, we thought if there was enough time passed, we were going to win them and take them and bring them into to the knowledge of the truth. And they didn't want us to leave. But they were the same people that were jumping in there helping us move and helping us pack the truck and, and just doing jumping through hoops to try to do whatever they could for us, even though they didn't want us to leave. Amen? Amen. And so you cannot have peace without faith. Amen. There's no true peace outside of serving God. Amen. The Bible says to seek peace and pursue it. Amen. You can't do that without exercising faith. Amen. Seeking the peace of God and pursuing the peace of God. Amen. I had one preacher uh, refer to that peace of God as like a, you ever seen a lake or a pool that's just completely, completely calm and it's just flat like glass. Amen. And, and you're standing there by the lake and the slightest little breeze blows and you see those ripples kind of going across that lake. And he referred to, to in his life, his pond of peace. Amen. And, and, and it just kind of made sense. We all have that pond of peace. And if we're walking with God and if we're living for God, we have that pond. And it, when it's at peace, that's when God's gentle, you know, that still small voice can come in and just kind of ruffle those waters. And we know something's happening. But if we're... If we've got all this turmoil in our lives and we're not, you know, Bible says, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. So if we're not casting those cares at him, we're throwing them in our pond of peace. Well, we're upsetting our pond of peace. We can't know if God's speaking to us or not. That's messing with our faith. And so we need that. Amen. You cannot have joy without faith. Amen. You're justified by faith and not works. You are to live by faith. Amen. You're made righteous by faith. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. Like I said, it took faith for every one of us to come to an altar and believe that when we repented and raised our hands up in there, God was going to fill us with the Holy Ghost, just like his word said. Amen. And when it happened, that that exercised our faith. That took us our faith already to another level just when that happened. Amen. When God does things in our life, it takes us to another level each time. We see God answering a prayer. Our faith is lifted up. And that's my prayer for myself every day. God, take my faith to another level. Amen. I want to have the kind of faith that Peter had, that Paul had when he sent scarves out to the people to heal them. When when Peter walked by, they were just healed by the shadow of him walking by. I want to have that kind of faith, that kind of relationship with God where he just operates through me like that. Amen. Not for my glory, but for the Lord's glory. Amen. You are made righteous by faith. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. The Holy Spirit is received by faith, as I just said. And whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow. Amen. We are living in a dark world. I'm not going to go over this one too much. Uh, But uh, we are living in a dark world. All the more reason for us to operate in faith. Amen. Are we apostolic or are we not? Amen. Do we have the Holy Ghost or do we not? Is God a healer or isn't he? Is God a deliverer? Amen. Can God move a mountain if we just have enough faith? If we if we really believe that, then then no matter what comes our way, we can immediately go into that situation and say, "Hey, God is with me." Amen. Persecution. Uh you know, we're we're reading and hearing more about that every day. Amen. Christians being persecuted and killed for the sake of the gospel. They might not be in truth, but in countries like Pakistan and India and places like that, they're killing them 
by the hundreds, amen. The Muslims are out there going into these Christian villages and killing them by the thousands, amen, telling them to become a Muslim or die, amen. And so they, those people are standing on their faith in Jesus Christ, and they are saying, I will not bow, I will not, I will not convert to being a Muslim, I will not, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And we have no concept of that in this country, Amen. I can't really look back in 26 years of serving God. I can't really look back and say that I've been persecuted. I I, I cannot honestly say that I, that I recall ever being ever being spit on or you know back in the day back in the 40s and 50s when they were having tent meetings they would do all kinds of stuff to the holy rollers and the Pentecostals coming through and having those services and they would just mistreat their kids and just do all kinds of things and burn down their tent. And we have not suffered those things, amen. And so we have no concept, really, what persecution is. But I'll tell you this, the more you operate in your faith, you know, and and it may be something as simple as some atheist walking up to you and just going off on you or something, right? And that might not be persecution in the the definition of the terms that they might define over in, in third world countries, amen, but it's coming, amen. And so what I have to ask myself sometimes, what would I do? If that kind of persecution came to my front door, would I would I stand? I mean, we have to ask ourselves: Would I really stand for this? Because the Bible says that in the last days, mothers and fathers will turn on their kids, and it says that kids will turn on their mothers and fathers. Amen. And so we, I have to ask myself: If the Bible says that, and the Bible's true, where's God's true, right? There's nothing in there's no error in the word of God. If the Bible says that, when's that coming? When are we are we gonna have to face that? And what am I gonna do when I have to face that? Amen. And so like like Brother Parker kept uh, reiterating over and over again, Amen, we've got to have that now faith. We've got to be exercising our faith now. We can't be waiting until the trials come, until the persecution comes, until all the difficulties come. We have to exercise our faith now. We gotta start, you know, the the Olympian when they know that the Olympics is in four years, the swimmer or you pick whatever sport you want out of the Olympics, they don't wait till three weeks before the Olympic uh, event to say, well, I think I'll start waking up early and getting ready. No, they don't. They start getting ready as soon as they, I mean, they're already training from the last Olympics because they know they're going to the next one. And so they're out there every morning and doing, they're living a life like nobody else. Those people that do the running and all that kind of stuff, they get up early in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and they run They run 10 miles three or four times a day to train themselves. And they're eating a diet like nobody else. And they're, they're almost eating like a vegan diet. And they're, they're trying to train themselves and keep themselves prepared for that day, for that one race. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that that is coming. And so there's going to come a time when every one of us, at some point, some level, is going to have to stand for their faith. Okay? And and you're going to come across that. And so we're going to get into the next little part here, and it's called because of discouragement. Amen? And discouragement tends to prevent something from happening by making it more difficult and unpleasant. It is designed to make somebody feel less motivated, confident, and optimistic, and uh, if you'll pardon the personal reference for just a minute, I have recently dealt with that. Just coming up here, and so far I don't have any employment yet. But I, you know, I know that God spoke to me in that parking garage. I know what He said to me, and I know that He sent me here. And I, and I just, there's too many things, too many things on the checklist that God has confirmed this over and over to me, and so I have had to work really hard to maintain and the lord gave me that scripture in romans ten thirty five that says cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward for you have need of patience after that you have done the will of god you might receive the promise and so i've done the will of god i've listened to god i and and i could have hesitated and waited and said well i won't come until i know i have a job but i just felt like that's not what god told me to do he told me to come and he, if he, you know, I, I tell myself, 
If he took care of the prophet when he sent him from one city to the next and said, you just go and I'll send ravens to feed you and I'll, I'll set you down by a brook for, so you can have water, then I have to believe that the same God that took care of that prophet is going to take care of me. And there's been times I've gone home from this church and, and I've sat in that little place without my wife there and I've gotten let myself get in the molly grubs a little bit and start getting into that, oh, woe is me attitude, right? And that discouragement come. And that it's a spirit. It's a spirit. The first time that hit me in that duplex, I said, oh, no. Oh, no. I went and got my little bottle of oil, and I went around, and I started anointing every door and every window in that place. I said, I don't know what spirit that lady left here that was living here before me, but it's gone. I'm, I'm binding some things, and I'm loosening the spirit of God and the power of God, and I have I've not had to deal with that spirit since then so far. Amen. But that spirit of discouragement will come upon you when things don't make sense. When things don't, you know, things don't make sense to people in the world when when you say, well, God just told me to go there. Well, why would you go up there? It's cold. I mean, I've gotten every discouraging comment that I could get about coming up to La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I just, I have a a confidence in God that and and sometimes I think we get to a place where our faith goes from faith to confidence so because we exercised our faith to the point where we don't we don't just have faith we have confidence we know that God's going to answer we know that God's going to provide just like the three Hebrew children that went through the fiery furnace and they said to the they said to Nebuchadnezzar and if he doesn't deliver us we're still not going to bow so they put that little stipulation in there. If he, if our God doesn't deliver us, it doesn't matter. If our God doesn't deliver us from persecution, what are we going to do? Amen. And so we're going to have discouragement in our life. And so we've got to see discouragement as an attack of the enemy, just like I just said. I immediately, I, I let myself get in that little molly grub state for about five minutes, and then I thought, wait a minute. You know, I had to be like David when he was in Ziklag, when all the city was burned down and his wives were gone and all the other guys' families were gone, and they wanted to stone David. And he went and got the ephod, and he prayed before the Lord. And the Lord said, he said, what are we going to do? And he, the Lord told him, go, recover all. But in that scripture, in that story at one point it says david had to encourage himself in the lord so what which means that david had to sit down with himself and say hey david you dummy you're serving the mighty god he's brought you this far you could have been you could have been speared with a, a javelin two or three times by the king and you weren't you know and and you've come this far david i got this and so David had to encourage himself, and we're going to have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen? And you know what? There's nothing wrong with uh, when I was in the church in Okinawa, uh, the pastor that we had there, he had this little deal, and he would say, just tell, call somebody and ask them to pull on the chain. You didn't have to tell them what it was for. If you didn't want to say what the need was or what the circumstance was, you just call them up and say, hey, can I get you to pull on the chain? I need prayer. And so that's what we would do. We would call each other up and say, hey, can you yank on the chain for me? And so sometimes that's good. We need to pray for one another. But sometimes you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. David's friends wanted to stone him. So David had to go get the ephod and go find a lone place with God and say, okay, God, it's me and you now. I'm going through this. I don't have to tell you. You already know. You know, we go to God and we tell him stuff we're going through like he doesn't know. And he already knows. I just need you to help me, Lord. I need you to help me. I need your encouragement. Send a spirit of encouragement in my house. He'll do it. Amen. Believe that God's word is true. Sometimes I have to get my word out and read it out loud in my house. I have to go like get Psalms 27. Anybody know where Psalm, what Psalms 27 says? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And it goes on and on and on. And I was encouraged a long time ago as a new convert to memorize that scripture. And it has come in for me so many times. Because it's a bold scripture. And I can, get, I can pray that scripture in the devil's face and he has to leave. 
He has to depart in Jesus' name. Amen. I can pray that spirit out of my house. Amen. Or out of my situation. We have to fortify your heart. Oh, I skipped. Believe that God loves you and his word, as his word says. He loves us. He didn't bring us this far to drop us off and leave us hanging. He's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He's not going to save us and deliver us out of all the filth that he brought us out of and then just throw us in the pew and say, okay, you're on your own. He's not going to do that. Fortify your heart with good attitude. And, and you know, you have to remind yourself. You've been saved from sin. Hey, I've been saved. God delivered me. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He he saw enough in me to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We, and, you know, he gave you that for a reason. Amen. Because the devil hates it when you start praying in tongues because he can't understand it. Amen. Magnifying God. Amen. We You know, we've got tools in our toolbox. We've got to use them. Amen. Believe in yourself and be willing to stand alone if need be for truth. Amen. Don't. You know, don't go out and start buying a bunch of self-help books and power positive thinking and all that. But, you know, you have to have enough confidence, like I was asking earlier, are we apostolic or not? Did God save you or not? You have to ask yourself that question. Am I an apostolic? Am I a oneness apostolic? And, And did God give me power and authority? Yes, he did. And the devil wants to take that from you and lie and say you don't have power. As soon as you hear that, you know that it's the devil. (laughs) <laughs> the same God that gave you that power ain't going to take it away from you. Amen? Amen. Remember that all things work together for good. It's good to have those scriptures memorized. It's good to know what the Word of God says. That's your defense. Amen. How did Jesus deal with the devil for 40 days in the wilderness? He thus saith the word of the Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. The word is powerful. The devil knows the word too. Amen. And he he twisted it around on Eve. So it's important to know that word. Know what that word says. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When you get your electrician's license, you have to know what that National Electric Code book says front to back. So you can pass that test and get your electrical license so you can go be a journeyman electrician. And that that's that thing's thicker than the Bible, man. But you got to know it, amen. Because you got to know that code. You got to know how to do that job for somebody to hire you. You can't. It can't be guesswork, right? Am I right? That's what they have regulations for. That's what they have SOPs for. That's what they have uh, all these ARs and stuff. That's what they have all this stuff for. Somebody had the forethought to line everything out, and so God had the forethought to give us. The rule book. He gave us the book to go by. Amen. Amen. His Bible says that his word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Use it like a flashlight you pull out of the plug at night when it's dark. Pull that flashlight out and shine it. Amen. Look for ways to turn the discouragement and attack from the enemy back against him. <laughs> I like doing that. I like telling the devil, oh, I know you know this, devil, but you're a liar. As soon as you open your mouth, you're lying, devil. And devil, you're you're defeated already. You're going to spend a thousand years in the pit, devil. I I'm just I'm sorry. You're lying. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. And you you just need to leave in Jesus' name. At the very mention of His name, Bible says the devils must flee. And so we need to know, we need to lean on that. We need to depend on this word, not depend on our mind. Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. If I had to depend on my own mind, oh my goodness, <laughs> I wouldn't be standing here probably. <laughs> Hallelujah. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and his all his father's house heard it. They went down and thither, down thither to him, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. 
There's more people than just you going through whatever discouragement, whatever situation, circumstances you're dealing with. There's more people than you going through it. Amen. Encourage yourself with that. Man, matter of fact, when you start thinking like that, you you pray for your own situation. Then you go, you know what? My brother or my sister might be going through it right now. Maybe I better call their name out. Because the same devil that's over here in my house messing with me is probably over at their house messing with them. Because he doesn't want us to be saved. He wants to get one of he wants to get us to lay this down. Because he knows it's the most powerful thing in the world. This is the more this this that we have is more powerful than anything in the world. We have more power in our little pinky than the President of the United States. Amen. Amen. Jesus said he could have called 12 legions of angels. Amen. We he's been he's made us power of attorney, right? Right, brother Miller. So he's made us power of attorney. We have that same authority and power delegated to us. So we've been delegated that authority. It's just like a state trooper's been delegated the authority of the governor of the state of Wisconsin. He, he represents the governor when he turns throw those blue lights on and pulls you over and wants to give you a little note, a love note, and tell you how much he loves you. Right? That's never happened to anybody in this room, right? <laughs> nice to see you tonight, officer. I was only delivered one time from a ticket. And I was coming home from church camp in Kentucky. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. It was youth camp. Friday night, blowout, last night of the youth camp. Preacher preached everybody to the altar, and it was just a, a great service. So I had my mini, my van with all these kids and my two kids and my wife, and we're, we're about 100 yards from the exit to get on I-65 to go head home. And boom, boop, blue lights come on. Oh, man. And the only people coming up that little lonely dark road that night was people coming from camp going back to Louisville. So everybody knew there's Brother Demuth's van in front of that police car. (laughs) Well, that police officer just so happened to be a member of the church there in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. So he saw my people of the name Jesus sticker on my window. <laughs> he walked up to the window with a big smile on his face and Sister Demuth wasn't too happy. I was already getting to run around from her. And uh he just leans in the window and says, So who preached tonight? And I looked at him and I looked at my wife and so I told him and he said, Man, I wanted to be there. I said, Yeah, it was youth Oh yeah, he said, Man, I wanted to be there but I had to work. So he just said, now, I know this is a lonely road at night. Nobody's on here, but you just got to watch yourself. You have a nice night, and God bless you, and he walked away. So God has mercy. <laughs> Amen, but I learned my lesson. Amen. So if Bible says in Proverbs 24.10, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And I took the liberty of looking that up in the Message Bible. And it says if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place or much to your faith. Right? Amen. Let's not fall to pieces every time a little trial or a test or a sickness. Brother Parker talked about ill health. Amen. That woman with the issue of blood was sick for 12 years. I don't know if there was a purpose behind that. I've never studied that out, but... She wasted all of her money on all these doctors before she went to Jesus. Amen. And she was healed immediately as soon as she touched the hem of his garment. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just think sometimes the Lord allows, does anybody believe that besides me? The Lord allows some things in our life sometimes to cause us to turn to him, call on him. We don't. We get a little cocky and a little conf, overconfident in ourselves, and we start thinking we don't need God. And you know what? He wants us. He's a jealous God, right? He wants us to love Him. He wants us to serve Him. He wants us to look to Him and have faith in Him. And sometimes He's going to. I believe He's going to allow things to happen and 
circumstances in our life that will keep us from being lost. How many wants that? I do. You know, if that's what God's got to do, and I've prayed that prayer, God, whatever you got to do. And I've heard testimonies about people praying that prayer, and the person they prayed that prayer for ended up in the hospital on their deathbed before they said, okay, I give up. And, you know, yeah, I guess you have to be careful praying that prayer, but if it means their soul, God, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, God, we got to have enough faith that God, how many believes that God knows what he's doing in our life, amen? He knew what he was doing before we got here, right? So he surely knows what he's doing with our life now that we've, you know, we sang that song at the beginning, I will give you all. Maybe that's, that's part of our faith. You know, not having faith in our own efforts, in our own, in our own self anymore. You know that when I came up here, when when uh, when we, when the, when I felt the Lord talking to me, and it wasn't just okay. God said, "Come to Wisconsin, here I come." I had to. There was a few things I had to. He and I had to. Well, he had. I listened. He had to talk. And I had, uh, and I had been kind of had my hand on the wheel so to speak you know kind of helping him drive anybody else ever done that you know that's not operating in faith is it it's operating in very little faith and i know god's got this but i'll I'll keep my hand on the wheel just in case he happens to look away or you know takes his hand off the wheel that way we won't go off the road amen but that's not how god works amen and so we've got to realize that we can't just fall to pieces we can't just faint when an adversity comes our way god's going to send adversities our way Anybody believes that amen so the contingency what's a contingency in layman's terms anybody they use those a lot in the military don't they it's like an alternate plan this is a if plan a doesn't work i got plan b already worked out Right, and that we a lot of businesses, a lot of people, uh, families use that contingency plans. If the house is on fire and that window's blocked, kids go out that window, you know, or go out that door. I mean, we got to have a contingency plan, amen. And how many believe God's got a contingency plan? Right. When Paul was on his way to Rome. He was on that boat, and he told them, he tried to tell them, I don't think we should go out here on this boat, and they didn't listen. But he also knew that God was trying to get him to Rome. And so he was, regardless of what happened, Paul, nothing was going to happen to Paul because he hadn't fulfilled that yet. And so the contingency plan was Paul went down in the boat and started praying while they were all throwing stuff off the boat and trying to save the boat and everything else. Paul's contingency plan was go pray. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Paul and said, as long as they stay in the ship, everybody will live. But anybody gets outside the boat, they're going to die. And so what happened in that story? Everybody ended up on shore. Long story short, on floating in on pieces of boards and pieces of the boat when the boat finally crashed. But he, Paul stood up and told all of them, the angel come and spoke to me tonight, whose I am. And it was Paul's guardian angel. And he said, I'm going to... God's going to save all of us if we'll stay in the boat. Because what was the God's contingency plan was, no matter what happened, Paul had to get to Rome. So God was going to save the whole, and God chose to use Paul to tell him to say, he could have let the rest of them die and just said, all I'm interested in is Paul. But God's not just interested in one of us. He would that all men might be saved. Amen. I have enough faith to believe that God, you know, the Bible says, for all in sin have come short of the glory of God, right? And and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And a lot of people run to that scripture and say, see, God loves everybody. Yeah, he does. But you have to receive love. He loves the sinner that's in prison. He loves the, the drug addict. He loves the prostitute he loves all these people but if they don't accept and receive his love and relinquish their control of their life 
you know, I mean, I can love my wife, I can love my kids, but that if they don't receive my love, if they push my love away, I mean, that that can happen in the natural, right? Marriage is, that's how marriages end. The one spouse just says, I don't want your love anymore. They push it away. And so we live in a world that God loves them, but they're not receiving it. And thankfully, by the mercy and grace of God, we all sit here because we've made a decision one day. I'm going to accept and receive the love of God, and I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to let him be Lord of my life. Once again, that took great faith. Great faith to just step in, step into a place of humility. How many likes being humiliated? No, no hands? <laughs> Come on. I got humiliated the other night, the other day, back here in the garage. <laughs> I won't tell that story. <laughs> it was all in fun, but amen. Sometimes things, once again, sometimes things happen in your life for the good, <laughs> where we know that all things work together <laughs> for good. And sometimes you just have to laugh it off and smile about it and say, "Isn't God good?" Amen. Nobody likes being humiliated and feeling your face turn. Come over your face. You just know, right? Right? Nobody likes being humiliated, even in fun. But, amen. God is good anyway. Amen. Amen. So, we've got to have our, what is our contingency plan? What is our contingency plan as apostolics, as Christians? As people of God. Anybody? We have a contingency plan. It's called, anybody? Now faith. It's our now faith. Our contingency plan is we are going to prepare today. You know, when I was in the military for ten and a half years, I, the the last couple of years uh, when I was in Okinawa, that was when we went to the first Gulf War in 1991. That was the first combat that happened in my almost 11 years in the military, other than Grenada, which I, I had no clue that was going on. It was so small, but it was, it, was, it was a combat situation, but it was small compared to the Gulf War. So in all those 10 years, that's all we did every Wednesday was training, 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 training. How to wear a protective mask, how to how to do all this stuff, how to put your mop gear on, how to do all these things. And I was in a fixed station unit that would probably never end up in combat, but I had to go through all this training anyway because there might come a time in a situation where they say, we're going to put some civilians in there, you're going in combat, here's your weapon. Because ultimately everybody in the Army is an 11 Bravo, right? What's an 11 Bravo? Our, it's an infantryman. Here's your gun. Go shoot somebody. <laughs> no matter what your MOS is, ultimately everybody's an 11 Bravo. Or 11 Bang Bang, they called it. And so the Army had their contingency plan in place the whole time I was serving for 10 years in the Army. Was what? Training every Wednesday. Training, 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 training. Training on operational security. Training on everything. I mean, they wore us out with training. But you know what the, the side benefit of that was? When we, when we sent guys over there to the Gulf War and Saddam Hussein was shooting those scuds over there with all kinds of, get, you know, chemical weapons or whatever in them, those guys knew without even thinking how to put that mask on in nine seconds, you know, clear and seal it, pull the hood over and do the whole, I could probably do it right now. I had so much time learning that, and they don't even use that mask anymore. But the whole point is there's a contingency plan, and sometimes a contingency plan is training every day. We gotta we gotta train. We gotta exercise our faith every day. We gotta have now faith, like Pastor kept saying. We over and over. If he's before us, if he's beside us, if he's behind us, what do we have to worry about? Exercise our faith. Get in that word every day. I am gonna make it to eight o'clock. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to on purpose. <laughs> Amen. So, you know. Champions don't become champions, like I said, you know, Olympians, boxers, you name it. They don't become champions by just sitting around and, and uh, sitting on the couch eating potato chips and wait until three before 
the event. They train for that event. And so we are in training. Amen. One song I heard sang by somebody says, Saved thus far. And that's how I like to look at my, my walk with God and my salvation. I'm saved thus far. Amen. Is it is it impossible that I could backslide? Anything's possible, but not likely. Amen. I've come too far to turn back now. Amen. And I'm saved thus far, and it's going to take, you know, I'm going to have to walk by faith daily. I'm going to have to get up every day and exercise my now faith and say, I'm living for God today. I don't care if I'm sick in bed. I don't care if I'm in the hospital. I don't care if something happens to my wife. I don't care if something happens to one of my kids, one of my grandkids. I've got to live for God. And I have to have enough faith to, to be willing to, the Bible talks about if you're not willing to hate your mother, your sister, your brother, or even your own life for my sake, you can't be my disciple. What is that? To me, that's faith. That's operating in a level of faith where you say nothing else matters. My family doesn't understand. My friends don't understand. My church family back in Louisville doesn't understand. They're all sad because we're leaving. But I, I've told every one of them, this is, I got orders from the company commander or from the general. I got orders, and I, my orders say go to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Do I understand why? No, I don't. But all I do know is he told me to come here, and that's all I need. Amen. And God took my faith when, when that happened. When he spoke to me in that parking garage, he took my faith to another level. And so I got excited about that, and I want God to take my faith to another level. But that's not going to happen by me just sitting around waiting on God to take me to the next level. It's going to take me exercising my faith, getting up every morning and praying, spending time in the Word of God, fasting, and doing all the things that I need to do to consecrate myself. Amen? Because it's, it's consecration. You know, and when God says to fast... When God wakes you up and says, fast today, and you say, okay, no problem, I'll fast today. And on that day, you go to the office, and the guy that never brings anything brings donuts or bagels or something. And it, you know, hours go by, and, you, and they're going, come on, dude, have one. Come on, just... There's only a couple left. Better, have, better get one before they're gone. You're going, yeah. Uh, we all act all spiritual, though, don't we? Uh, it's okay. I got it. <laughs> No, we don't. I go back and sit in my office and wrestle. Man, you know, I could fast tomorrow. Right? Just one more day, but... If I'm operating in faith, if I believe God told me that morning to fast, then I need to fast that day, not push it to another day. That's not what God told me to do. And if I'm serious about going to that next level, i got to do what God told me to do because it's all about, you know, it's just like in the military. That's how you gain rank and gain responsibility. You show yourself that you can handle it. And I want to handle the responsibilities of God in the kingdom summary now faith is taking god at his word and trusting him at every turn and juncture of our in our lives and now faith is what we need right now because of the things that are facing uh, or the things that we may be going through or we may go through in the future i added that whether now faith that causes us to trust god or the now faith that is needed right now it must be a part of our life in, until Jesus comes, because without it, we cannot please God. We can't please God. And uh, just to kind of finish up, I was praying this afternoon, and the Lord's kind of dropped this scripture in my mind. And uh, so I looked it up. It's in, you don't have to go there, but if you want to study it later, it's in, uh, I think I wrote it down. Mark. Uh, did I write it down? Did I write it on here? Anyway, the disciples, Jesus and the disciples are walking, and and um, Jesus sees a 
a fig tree. And it says, Scripture says he's hungry. So he goes up to the fig tree. I got it here somewhere. Anyway, he goes up to the fig tree, and there's leaves on the fig tree. And the Bible says that it wasn't yet time for the figs yet. Normally when the fig tree produces leaves, it's shortly thereafter that the figs come. But there was no figs on it yet. So Jesus points to the tree and says that no man would eat off you ever again. And he just walks away. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And so he goes into Jerusalem, and there, that's where he goes into, into the temple, and he casts through, throws the tables to the ground and casts them all out and says, this is going to be called the house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He goes in there and does all that. And then after all that, the Bible says he leaves, goes out, goes out of the city. Next morning, they're walking back the same way past that tree. And Peter remembered, because the Bible says that the disciples, they heard what he said. They kind of like, you know, stored that in memory. Hmm, that's weird. He said that to that tree, and then he just walked away. It, no fair to the tree. It wasn't time for the figs yet, right? So they come back through there. Peter said, hey, there's that tree that you spoke to yesterday. It's all withered to the ground. What's up with that? What does God say to, to really to Peter, but all the disciples? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Amen? And then he goes into talking about if you can't forgive somebody else their sins, then how is God going to forgive you your sins? Amen? And so, you know, we it takes faith to walk through this life. It takes now faith to get out, get up every day because somebody at work is going to act like a fool and say something to you, and somebody's going to be an atheist, they're going to run their mouth, and somebody that's not apostolic, that doesn't understand why you are the way you are, they're, they're, not, they're just going to be critical, and you have to be able to maybe stand in the face of that. You might not be able to say anything back. You know, you might have to do like Jesus did, you know, turn the other cheek and just take it. Sometimes there's nothing to say. You know, when they, when they, Wanted, to, wanted Jesus to answer all the questions, you know, and he just, the Bible says he opened not his mouth. Well, talking about some faith, man, because you get in a situation like that, and the last thing you want to do is keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> Human nature is wanting to, well, by God, and just we want to just say our peace. But sometimes there's greater peace than saying nothing, just taking it. Because what they, that's what they're expecting you to do is respond. That's what the devil's expecting you to do is lash out and respond. But faith says, nope, my God is able. Amen. Use that situation to pray for him. Let's all stand tonight, five till eight. Pastor, be so 